Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnier Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Say all night, don't go home. Say all night, don't go home. Say all night, don't go home. Stay with me till morning. Recording in progress. Why, hello there, Justin. Greetings, Nathan. Nathan Thomas. Justin Lee. Now everybody knows our middle names, Nate. They're going to heckle us from stage. We'll think our mothers and fathers are out there when they say, Nathan Thomas, Justin Lee. Anytime anytime I hear Nathan, I get like the, what get I do. Get your act together, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> or what did I do wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, we are churning out the podcasts at an extraordinary frequency, Nate. We're blitzkrieging here at the last month before the gates open at Blue Ox. It's because we've had a lot of yeses. We're just going to keep doing them. We'll run them right up to the festival because guess what? The festival is less than a month away. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. It's summertime in full swing and uh, festival season has begun. We are just out in Des Moines, Iowa, playing the Greenbelt Festival, the inaugural year of that. Spreading the word of Blue Ox, so there'll be some Iowa folks coming up to join us at Blue Ox, most definitely. A great festival it was, too. Inaugural. That's, I mean... I'm thinking back to our first year, it's just like hard to think about. We're in year nine, and we have, drumroll please, achieved our first ever sellout. Yes. Which is pretty exciting. Thank you for your support and continued enthusiasm about the festival, everybody out there. It's kind of cool to think that, you know, we've slowly been growing this festival, and now we've finally achieved a sellout at our 5,000 ticket cap. Yeah, it's going to be an epic year. It's it's going to feel, it already feels like a special year having reached that point. The idea is we want to really retain that intimate vibe of, you know, a small family run festival, which Blue Ox is. But it'll be interesting to see how it feels and, you know, see where maybe there's still room for growth and get feedback from you all, uh, festival attendees, see what you think about it as well. Right. And I think for those of you who were there last year, we I think we we're five or 600 tickets short of a sellout last year. So there will be that many more people. I don't know how much more packed or crowded it will feel. I mean, it's hard for me to say. Like you said, it'll be interesting to to catch the vibe and, and see what it feels like. But I think it'll mm-hmm. be fine. I think it'll be still intimate. And Yeah, you know, I think it's every festival owner's vision to grow your festival to its maximum extent so i guess we're not sure this is this is the maximum extent or it is for now it is definitely and there's also the risk of overgrowing the capacity to manage it well and keep the vibe good keep the keep the energy where we like it where where it is right now or where it ought to be this year again for us i think that's like the most important thing Absolutely. But if you're sweating it and you're like, oh, man, I didn't get my tickets because I'm a procrastinator like Justin Lee. If you still want to join us and you missed out on tickets, we are teaming up with Cash or Trade. It's going to be the official fan to fan ticket exchange for Blue Ox. Inevitably, people will be like, oh, I can't make it. I got tickets, though. So, yeah, check out this Cash or Trade ticket exchange site. And if you... If you know somebody who's still looking for tickets, or if you unfortunately can't make it, that is a free place to sell your ticket with no fees or sellers, which is pretty rad. Yeah, I would highly recommend going there and avoiding any 
potential scam that's happening out there on the social media site you'll see or whatever any any of the other bs that can arrive check that out Uh, there's a link right on the blue ox music festival website safely do an exchange or purchase of existing blue ox music festival tickets we hope that uh not a single ticket goes to waste and you're all able to make it who want to go Also, the Wednesday night camping pass is still available. You start your festival early, arriving on Wednesday, June 21st for camping in the Pines Music Park. You'll be able to get there early and just uh, start your festival experience right away Thursday morning. More time to relax at the camp before the music starts. Also, something to be aware of is that there is a new location for the Soul Sanctuary. It'll be located now in the prairie this year, which will allow participants a quieter space for reflection and more room to spread out during all of the scheduled events there at the Soul Sanctuary. In this episode, we are interviewing Mike Gordon, bassist from Fish, who I learned are 40 years old. Fish as a band is 40. Can you believe that? That's, I want to say older than me, but no, I'm just slightly older than that. <laughs> that's that's my age, basically. <laughs> I would have never guessed 40. I would have guessed 30, like 93. But Mike Gordon answered an ad from Trey in 1983 as a teenage kid up there in Vermont. And uh, they started the band. And, you know, they've had breaks and hiatuses and whatever, but they're still touring and they're still a band. I don't know. That's just a, that's just a big number. And I, it was it was kind of surprising for me to hear. He's also been doing solo work for 20 years. <laughs> and he's had his current band for like 14 years. So uh, very prolific in his sort of amount of music he's performed and released and, and made. He's a great talker. We had a good interview with him, brief as it was. Brief, but full of uh, interesting backstory and anecdotes. And he is just a very deep, thoughtful person. So he jumps into it pretty heavy straight away. So it's it was cool to chat with him. Super thoughtful. Mike just seems like one of those artists who is truly an artist. And he is constantly working, constantly refining. Yeah, just to bust his ass. It's so great. It's so inspiring to me. Yeah, and we're going to be listening to a couple tracks from his solo project. His new album is called Flying Games. It is really funky, groovy, and rhythmic, and dancey, and he talks about wanting to do exactly that for this album. It took a long time to produce, but, you know, there's n- never really any hurry, you know, especially if you want something a certain way, and you take your time and get it get it how you want it. And he's, he's super happy with it. And he, he had just come off rehearsals with his band when we were talking to him. And he was super stoked to talk about his band members and, and just how the rehearsals went. And he's gearing up for a big summer of touring. And he'll be at Blue Ox Friday night. It's going to be interesting to see how his music translates into that meadow and gets everyone dancing. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun set. I think so, too. Like a lot of dancing, a lot of good vibes. And uh, yeah, a lot of tight type music too he's got a new video out from one of his singles called tilting and then we talk about a specific lyric that he has in one of his songs called undone as well we talk about the lyric in there is obsession is fun and he gets into a little bit about that lyric in the interview as well yeah so why don't we just get on into the interview and uh set this podcast a sail let's listen to tilting and then go right into that interview all right enjoy 
One more thing, preferences, audio levels. It usually is too loud. So I'll turn it down a little bit. Now we're probably good, right? Sounds good. And now, so I'll tell all my tech people that they can take a chill pill. <laughs> oh, yes. There we go. Awesome. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, thanks for carving out the time, Mike. Yeah. I know you're probably really busy gearing up and touring and getting all prepared. Yeah. And everything around my new album release. So yeah. yeah, congrats on the new album. Thank you. Yeah, so um, our intention with this podcast is typically to get people excited about this year's festival and to acquaint folks with artists they may not know. Of course, most people know you from Fish. You've also done 20 years already of solo work. Yeah, which is amazing, and congratulations on all that. Thank you. So let's just dive into Flying Games, because this is the album you'll be touring on. I spent a bunch of time with it, and I have to say, I love it. It's groovy. Oh, it's thanks. funky. It's super yeah. rhythmic. So maybe you can talk about sort of what brought you to these songs, how they came. It sounds like it was kind of a long process in the making. Yep. Well, I knew I wanted some things after my previous albums and, and, and previous touring, and I, I wanted to have some real peppy, upbeat, funky, danceable, et cetera, material. And then from there, it's just sort of, I collect, uh, maybe a lot of songwriters do, but musical ideas and lyrical ideas, both. And just seeing what's resonating and mixing and matching. And um, and this tends to take, to take a long time. I, I also really like to write from jams. So there's a bunch of that. 
where something comes up because I do so much improvising in my world. Um, And so often this, you know, a pattern will just come up that sounds like it should be a song. And I've gotten into the business of turning, trying to turn those into songs and it doesn't always work, but a, a lot of times that's where the songs come from. So there's a bunch of that on this album. It's just kind of like the more something is composed in, in the fish world, we have a material that ranges from let's be on one chord, sing a little bit and jam for 20 minutes to playing a, you know, one of Trey's atonal fugues that he's written and 10 pages of memorized music where you can't tell what's what. Um, and my fingers often can't tell either. So we have to practice it before each tour. And this, so that's a pretty wide range from composed to stream of consciousness. But what I find is, you know, each each ends of that spectrum provide a kind of experience that the other end doesn't. And then there's the middle ground. Um, but one thing that happens in the real freeform department is that the music plays itself. And my my whatever subconscious sensibility for how uh, my, my fingers and my mind and whatever want to make the bass lines flow and have impact and, you know, levitate and all these things that music can do. And consciously, I don't even know how to do it, but unconsciously I do. (laughs) So, so I fall into these patterns and jams and even sometimes not in jams, even sometimes in the verse of a song where there's room to improvise and have it be different a little bit each time, but my fingers will fall into the stuff that I wouldn't have thought of if by sort of uh, squeezing my brain and thinking hard. So that's why I like writing songs from that stuff, because then that those patterns will have this flow that organically came about. The only problem that I struggle with is, is, is sometimes they're very syncopated and they have a perfect flow for not singing. And then I get to yeah. sing a lot with, with my band. So, um, so then to put these syncopated lyrics and, you know, melodies Along with syncopated bass lines, when they're not hitting on the same beats can be tricky, but when it works, it still feels really good. Um, and it comes from this place of discovery. So yeah, I think writing is, I think this is probably true of most musicians and songwriters, but writing is a, is an experience of, of discovery, a process of discovery, both in terms of music and lyrics and putting them together. And then, and then so is playing songs live. And so is then letting the freeform improvisations come out of those songs. It's all, it's all a matter of discovery. So in an ideal world, my favorite shows on the tour will be the ones where I, I, I couldn't predict it. What, what ends up making it great because it's just spontaneous stuff that comes about and not, yeah. you know, so people who don't know much about this world of, jam bands <laughs> hate the term so i have to hesitate as long yeah. as i hesitate um, <laughs> That's the qualifier. but you know to the uninitiated it often sounds like a lot of noodling and indulgent yeah wanking uh, you know. yeah right so and to me it does too with my bands and with other people's bands that i can tell if it feels just like random piddling then what we go for <laughs> is the times where it feels not like that where it feels like we're, we're it's fresh it's a simple melody that you could sing along to it just hasn't been played before so anyway so every i hope i like to try to make every every gig like that um and and, th- and that way the album ends up being just a launching pad and i'm kind of also from a world where we don't play only you know songs from the new album fish yeah. has released albums and hardly 
actually play at anything or, you know, eventually we right. do, but, but we, I am so excited about this album that in practices, my band has really been, well, we've been learning that, but we have a whole bunch of other new material too. So it's all going to be fresh. Anyway, That's great. So, yeah. so when you, when you come to Blue Ox, what can we expect in terms of like who you'll have on stage and what the instrumentation will be? It'll mirror the album, I, I reckon, to some degree. Well, um, I have a quintet, and so it's same four instruments as, as Fish, a bass, drums, um, guitar, and keyboards, but plus percussion. I've had the same percussionist for 14 years since this band started, Craig Myers, who lives in, Bur- in Burlington here, and then Scott Murawski on guitar. Those two have stayed the same, and the other two roles... Well, we've had the same keyboard player and, and drummer for eight years. Well, I guess the last we played was in 2020. So between 2015 and 2020, um, the keyboard player, Robert Walter, that I've had is out with Roger Waters for a couple of years. I mean, going across the world doing that. That's and cool. I just sort of see changes and as, as new opportunities to have new experiences. And I feel really lucky that it was recommended that I check out Rachel Eckroth, who's now joining on keyboards. She's really great. <laughs> and yeah. she's really, both in terms of having a, a broad musical landscape, a lot of different genres that, you know, she her, she she plays jazz and her last album was nominated for a Grammy. And then she tours with St. Vincent so she can get into the sound effects and indie pop thing yeah. and, you know, and everything in between. She's really quick, but the other, there are a couple more things I like about her. One, that she sings. That's really nice to have a new voice in there. And then that she's willing to be, now that we've, we've, now that we've played with the five of us a bunch, she's really rhythmic. And I real, it's just so important for me because as soon as anyone kind of backs off, it, it, it's not as much of a, of a groove. I, I really like it when everyone in the band is just churning and chugging. And then we, each person doesn't have to play as much because the, you know, the right. groove just does its um, levitating thing. So she's really good at that. So I'm, I'm really excited to tour with her and try to explore where, you know, we have the album, but then there's also some of my old material and then some cover songs that we've played and some new ones and some, I like to uh, encourage all my bandmates to bring a little bit of their own material, um, songs that they sing. And so it's not just like, a person on their hired hands. Right. It's really, it really starts to feel like a band. So that's the lineup in terms of the way the, but the album was recorded with lots of tracks of this often, you know, can't, if this can be the case it's with yeah. albums that they, you know, there might be three tracks of guitar and five tracks of keyboards and four tracks of drums on every song. Yeah. Um, but I really like reinterpreting what was done in the album for the stage and letting it be something new. And actually everyone's so great at their instruments and at knowing what's going on that, that people do a good job of mimicking the album. And I actually have to find myself saying, can, can we mimic it a little bit less? Because <laughs> yeah. sure we can do that. You know, and people have way of sample. There might be some really strange sound on the album. Well, I'll give you one example. So, because it was recorded by by Jared Slomoff, who I've worked with for twenty two years, and and produced by me. But but there were a lot of prompts from Sean Everett going into it. And he's a he's a sonic madman um, and many time Grammy winner and but total creativity and exploration. And so he gave me he mixed the album, but but a couple of years before that, he gave me prompts for recording the album. And for this for the one song which ended up being and it's called Undone, there are these sort of Hawaiian sounds in the background yeah. that are sort of swelling. And what he said was to for that, he said something like this crazy and outside of the box for each song. But what he said for that song is go to YouTube and Google 1950s Hawaiian guitar albums and record one little note or chord or swell 
from each album and take, you know, about 25 of them so that on every can sample them into a keyboard. And, and so each key of the keyboard has a note from a different Hawaiian guitar album from the 1950s. And then he said, now just play along with the tune, play along. He said, and without knowing what you're going to do and you won't get much, but what you do get will be interesting sounding. And he was so right. Um, it's just this sort of, uh, warped. It's like being stuck in some old Bugs Bunny cartoon or something. Yeah. Right. Just for a little moment. So, okay. So we, we were we were in the practice room and Rachel said, can I get those Hawaiian sounds? And I said, well, yeah, we could get them, but it doesn't have to be that. You know, that was that was then. And this is now. And just I said, as long as it, you know, maybe something fluty would because a lot of it's really smooth sounding. It's not very uh, edgy sounding in terms of synth sounds. And um, and she had right. something that was pretty good. But then I thought, oh, what the hell? We do have the sounds somewhere stuck in some keyboard. We'll just get them for you. And you can do your own take on the Hawaiian right. recordings. I think that it's, it sometimes comes back to this concept, even without a big atonal fugue woven into a song, still can kind of tie our hands to have to do it like the album. Because mm-hmm. that was for then. And, and by trying, even it can even come down to one note. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to sing this lyric that's important off the beat and the note falls on the beat and I'm pulling my hair out to get myself to do them offset, especially when the next lyric happens opposite where it's now going to fall before the bass instead of after the bass and like, ah, this is difficult. And, you know, so I can, I can learn to do it and I can get the muscle memory, but I don't know that it's worth it because we just want to get on stage and have fun. I mean, that's what it all comes down. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, so reinterpreting is what it's about. I think. Yeah, you have a very open sort of sense. I feel like you're very open to the world, you know. Like, <laughs> well, I try to be. I mean, maybe meditation helps with that. Um, yeah. doing TM for eight years. Um, it's it's hard to recognize that what we do as artists might not be as good as what the muse can do through us. Sure. And let discovery and letting it happen. And so I'm not always as. I mean, it. I, I don't always walk the talk. Um, right. At, well, in contrast to your openness, you also have the, the lyric and uh, obsession is fun. <laughs> like, yeah. which I think is like, I kind of maybe get what you're getting at. Like obsession is a little bit opposite of openness to a degree. Right. That's true. That's a really good point. And that came up this week too. Yeah. Because if you, well, my therapist said something. I don't normally talk about having a therapist, but what the hell? I'm, um, he's brilliant. <laughs> He was actually on the first further bus before there was a Grateful Dead. Um, And he taught poetry at Stanford and he's a jazz pianist and he played with Scott LaFaro. Anyway, he said, he likes to say, I'm going to just go down this rabbit hole since he opened up the obsession is fun conversation. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He said that, you know, one of our goals in, in therapy is to give you the, the agency to make decisions and not based on compulsions. I don't think I'm an addict. But I probably have ADHD. You have to explore that. But I definitely have some OCD. And, and O is obsession. Yeah. And we're talking about how, as an artist, that can be good. Um, but it can be bad. You know, there's all of these qualities that people can have, have a, have sort of a good side and a, and a bad side. And maybe the thing is not to judge, but just to integrate your life and make it all work for you. Um, so in the case of obsession, I mean, when I made my movie Outside Out, I was editing 14 hours a day maybe for and i spent five thousand hours on that movie it's not a great movie it's okay some people love it um and it's really impossible to find anyway so moot point but um i you know i could have done some other things with those 
14 hours and maybe I, but I'm glad to be able to obsess and working on the album. I, you know, I took eight months and I worked every, every weekday for eight months and I loved it. It was, and, and it was the lockdown. So I got to be with my family and, you know, nestled in Vermont, taking time off from touring. Yeah. And so I was obsessing about things on this album. I mean, Jared and I would say, okay, this song has acoustic guitar. Let's try eight acoustic guitars. Yes. It's, it's obsessional. We could have taken the first one and probably done fine. And it, but it doesn't take us that long because we have such a flow going after these, mm-hmm. all these years. So we just, we try a little bit of each and like, mm, no, okay. These four guitars sound good. Let's, let's just review this. No, it's all about this one guitar. Yeah, yeah. And on the song tropical rocket, I just, I, I listened to it again and I, I, ne- I had forgotten that the special guitar called the Dobrado is on there, which yeah. is a resophonic steel acoustic guitar with a whammy bar and he built in. Oh. The, the guy from Dobrado built in a um, a B bender. So you can actually take the whammy bar and push it upward and bend up the B string. Country players do with their Telecasters. Yeah. Um, anyway, I forgot that it was on there, but if we hadn't been in that experimental mode, it wouldn't be on. We wouldn't have a chance to find it and, uh, you know, or try all those Hawaiian sounds. And it's not that we needed to do all that, but I'm glad we did because it's fun. And it, the, I think the fun, comes through and so but you know of course if someone's obsessed with alcohol or drugs or you know another person or whatever it is it can be debilitating and and lethal so i'm not saying that obsessions are inherently good so that's what's funny to me about the lyric obsession is fun you know and the next line is it's spinning my whole world unspun um, but <laughs> um so I don't know. It's a, I think these are all balancing act. If someone's OCD, I, I wouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I would keep a little around and, and then just make your life workable. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's aspects to obsession that you can really thrive with, I believe as well as a, you know, it's part of the human condition. We're wired that way for, um, you know, some kind of survival purpose potentially, you know, well, I think a lot of the album lyrically it, and maybe even musically, but lyrically is playing with these ironic, um, th- th- these, uh, these, little spectrums that we have to find our place in or integrate yeah. the ends of both from like, you know, as in with like uh in mall, it's like, Oh, I'm finally over you. And like, Oh, but now you're texting me like, okay, um, fine. Or, you know, and I'll just mull over it. Uh, or uh, each song I think has a little bit of that. Like, Oh, I'm completely alone and I'm lonely. Oh, I'm completely alone and I love it. Or, Oh, I'm completely alone and I'm not alone. I'm all connected and together and you know these just sort of um takes on disorientation and I, I i'm not saying because i tried to make an album of this i'm just as i was saying before it's all discovery i'm just discovering yeah. what have i created here so obsession is fun is, is one and i don't know or guilty pleasures is kind of like that too you know i have guilty pleasures whether it's wearing neon green or uh <laughs> liking some pop music or sure. you know just everything's a little bit guilty and, and but as long as it, it doesn't involve self-harm or harming other people i like having guilty pleasures i haven't you know have the encyclopedia of tacky on my shelf and, uh, yeah yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> i just kept thinking about while you were talking there how much i love that cut up process like that collage sonic collage approach oh, yeah. to music and and just where that can lead i mean there's an openness to the muse there that i think is yeah. worthy of obsession you know because it can really open up new avenues and lead to a lot of just such like improvisation it's it's kind of tapping yeah. into um almost an occult version of an yeah. improvisation you know well it takes a lot for artists i think to fling ourselves out of our 
comfort zones. And I just heard that King Gizzard, you know, they, they sometimes, you know, they've released four albums in one year. And, but on top of that, as someone was, was saying, they, they always have five albums going and one might be the heavy metal album. And one might be the, uh, microtonal tuning album, whatever. Um, but the cool thing about that is when, when one of them gets to writer's block or gets stuck a little, they could just move on to the next one and they have a studio with all these drum machines and different ways of recording. So it, it's just, uh, it's a fertile ground for, for creativity. Same with what I've read about Tune Yards, which I'm a fan of. They, they have a studio with, with lots of synths and drum machines and things that are ancient or weird and, you know, and they just kind of like fool around and, and, get, and get playful. And I mean, there, there is sort of, I, as I, as I get older, I sort of see not only what's different between the studio and, and the stage, but some things that are, the, are that are, that need to be more the same. And and I think it has to do with the surrender and playfulness, you know, because the same kind of improvisation from that I do a lot of on stage can really work well in the studio. And and sometimes in the past I've been too meticulous about okay, here's my list of things we got to do and the goals and this is how we're going to do them, and it doesn't leave enough room for playfulness. So I think that's one of my goals in in the future. Actually, is even more even more integration of those two experiences. That doesn't mean I'm going to bring tons of extra gear on tour to experiment with that. Sometimes I do though. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but to bring that playfulness to both, you know, let it, let it sort of uh, exist in both realms. Part of the pleasure of performing for us is to, you know, be able to break away from those routine aspects of, of music yeah. and, yeah. and connecting with the audience. I mean, that's, that's really such an integral part of, of a music performance immerse ourselves in traditions that 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 mean something to us and and whether it's you know certain kinds of music and bands artists or certain kinds of instruments and it's not always about being avant-garde at every moment (laughs) sometimes you know i'll listen i'll dip back to listening to stanley brothers and I, i had this banjo teacher and very good friend andy cartoon and when i went to new york city 20 years ago, Andy was teaching me about all the bluegrass that I had. I would listen to mostly 1970s and maybe 80s bluegrass. And he turned me on to all the original stuff that those people listened to. I don't know if it really gets much better than hearing the Stanley Brothers <laughs> sing um, for my particular soul. Yeah, um, probably agree. Um, Lu- yeah, the Leuven Brothers, too. Like this. Leuven Brothers, I just yeah. I keep learning more Leuven Brothers songs and it's it's like unworldly. Uh, really um, so, you know, there's, there's innovating and then there's going back to your, it's, it doesn't mean experimenting on stage doesn't mean to throw out everything that's come before. It means to sort of take from it and, yeah. and let it be a, a celebration of life. And yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, so. yeah well, cool. th- yeah. Thank you for carving out the yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. We're I'm looking really looking forward to coming and um, checking but, out the other acts and the festival and everything. Yeah. Um, before you go though, I have to mention yeah. this. Yeah. So I work at a bar here in Minneapolis and I have a regular who whose name is Liz and she visited the Integratron oh. very recently. Oh and yeah. She definitely she definitely saw she's like, I'm gonna see Mike Gordon there. I know I'm gonna oh, see yeah. there. She saw you there. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. took a picture with you. Perhaps you remember. I do, I do, because yeah. I was there with my daughter. It was our first time in Joshua Tree and Pioneer Town. 
and and going to the Integratron, which is pretty wild. Um, yeah, yeah, and then there were some fans, and I I, I specifically remember meeting them. Um, that they were cool people. So, so yeah, so yeah, she she, she manifested that, us being there. She totally did, because uh, she's a big she's a big fish fan as well. well. well the first time when I, we we knew we were going to be around there, and people said, "Oh, you got to go to the Integratron," and it seemed right at my alley, just weird and spiritual, and yeah. so so I I loved the idea of taking Tessa, but we called and they were booked at least that they were booked for the group experiences and then for super expensive they had like a private thing but that was it's a big room and so what i did was i thought oh maybe we'll get the private yeah. session going but cast mccombs was was in town and i had for, i had played with him and recorded with him and he was playing at pappy and harriet's the classic restaurant venue and yeah and so i asked him if he wanted to come with all of his band to the integratron we would just book a private one since the public ones were sold out and he's like no he doesn't have time he's they're going to book on out of there and uh, but it was cool to see him play and talk to him and maybe I'll get to record with him again. In the meantime, a public one opened up. So we're in the room with like 25 people or 30 in a, like yeah. a sphere of, around the perimeter. And then they've mm-hmm. got all the, the quartz meditation bowls and they're making binaural patterns across my ears and, you know, and uh, yeah. pretty wild. I actually have my Integratron water bottle right oh, here. Oh, cool. There you go. I, so uh, done it. I went, yeah, I went about five or six years ago and had a pretty powerful experience. Um, total random aside so i got to see bobby mcferrin at his weekly single sing-along uh improvised thing in berkeley and he's on stage with four it's going to be anticlimactical but because it was a great show <laughs> um but where i'm going with it is is there were four other singers and that he sang with and and, and then the crowd gets to sing too yeah. and three of them came to the fish show at the at the greek the the, the following night um one of them who i should look up her name just released an album based on binaural beats and i have yet to, to to give it a spin but the idea is to listen with headphones it's just like what was going on at integratron has these sort of beat patterns of so he'll he'll like uh go make one quartz bowl go at a certain pitch and the other one's just slightly off. So this round room gets, gets the beats going across your ears. Oh, her name is destiny. Destiny wolf. Yeah. And she, so right up my alley, this sort of like mixing weird brain states and music. (laughs) Impossible. And it doesn't even take drugs. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Anyway, thank Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Look forward to hanging with you out at the pines. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. See you then. All right, thanks for listening to the podcast this week. Thanks to Mike Gordon for carving out some time. We are so close now, but we are going to have one or possibly two more of these podcast episodes coming your way before we drive on down to the pines. We're going to go out with one more song from Mike Gordon's new album. This is a song called Undone. Make sure you listen through to the end where you hear those Hawaiian guitar warped sounds that he was talking about in the interview. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all soon.
Bye. 